The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this episode of Mule Talk, we have Nathan Medcalf coming back on the show, and he is with Rockin' NT Mules, and he's located in Waddle, Arizona. Nathan is a contributor to Mules and More magazine. We are going to continue to talk about mule myths. Nate, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We, we talked before, and the more we talked, we realized there's a lot of mule myths out there and a lot of misunderstandings. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain all this. So backing up a mule, there seems to be a, a lot of misconceptions about that. Um, so can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so as far as backing up, um, it, it does seem to be a, a, a little bit of a sticking point um, and one of those things that... Um, we try to help people a lot with um, one of the one of the big things about it doesn't even have to be backing up um, can be any type of cue that uh, that you're giving your mule um, you know when 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 they don't adequate adequately respond to the cue um, they're they're dull to that cue um, and there's 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 some things that we should probably do on our end to. To, to fix that, um, anytime you have resistance or you know they're not moving like you're asking them to, um, you know, get get your mule vet checked. Um, you know, make sure your saddle fit is good. Make sure the teeth are good. Make sure you don't have any hidden lameness issues going on in there. You know, rule rule all that stuff out um, first, and then you know once once all that stuff is good, then you can start you know working on it and. What I see a lot with these mules when they have poor responses, um, especially on the backup, what I've found is that either A, the mule doesn't understand the cue, the mule isn't respectful of the cue, or the mule believes that not responding is a safer alternative, or more than likely, the mule has developed a conditioned response taught to him by the rider, so he kind of shuts down and, and ignores that. That, um, Wow, that's very interesting. I like the way you use the word dull when they're dull to your cues. And yeah, that's very well said. So I guess obviously we have to reconnect. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, you know, there's when you're getting, when you're trying to get better responses out of your um, backing up, whatever it is that you're asking, when, when they do resist, and we touched on this a little bit in, in the last podcast, is that, you know, in that situation, people might be tempted to go big. And by that, I mean, they might want to switch to a bigger bit or put on bigger spurs and use bigger cues. Mm-hmm. But from a training aspect, that's the wrong response. And that's just my opinion. And, you know, something like going back to, to your basics, you know, in a snap and working on softening their hands and, and your cues, and making sure you're giving that mule the big rewards, you know, to overcome that resistance and, and bring up his responses. And the trap becomes that we, we as people, we're not, we're not the most patient people. You know, we, we ask for the backup and, and you'll say no. And again, the temptation is to, to, to go bigger. You know, and, and when that mule is saying no, there's 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 a reason for it. And like I touched on it earlier, you know, you want to rule out physical stuff. Um, you know, and then if it's you know at the point, 
you know, he doesn't understand what you're asking, or does he lack the actual skill to comply? You know, the result of that is your mule ends up with a lack of confidence in himself and in you, which makes him a little bit tense and sometimes afraid. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, going back to the basics on, on, on that stuff, and depending on how deep you want to dive into this, I mean, you, you got to look at it, you know, you got to look at it, the mule as a whole. You know, you can, you know, how was that mule trained initially, uh, you know, from 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 a yearling? I've seen, you know, circumstances where mules have um, been over-desensitized. Mm. And, and the thing with that is that, so, you know, when, when you look at traditional desensitizing, the way people do it, you know, they, they try to get that mule, you know, completely desensitized to anything that might cause any worry for it, like a bag or a tarp, you know, and they get the mule still to those things. The issue is through that process, you know, the mule, they not only do they become dull to that pressure, they become dull to almost all the other pressures that you apply, even like leg pressure, because as we talked about, you know, to a mule, pressure is pressure. So what ends up happening at that point is people got to go back and sensitize that mule again to get them to be more reactive to their cues. And in some cases, I've seen what can happen is that the mule's getting very confused and, and they get a little irritated with that with that method. So in, in a sense, if you really thought about it, what we're kind of doing is we're, we're misleading that mule when we do that. And the reason that that's misleading is because we're letting them believe they can be comfortable accepting certain pressures, like a plastic bag, and then we increase the pressure trying to get the mule to respond to the same pressures that we just taught them to accept, like leg pressure. So, you know, it, it kind of gets a little confusing. So, you know, I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that can transpire in that mule's lifetime to make them, you know, resistant to our cues. Okay, that makes sense. So when a mule goes through where he, he gets dull and, and he's not understanding and he lacks in confidence and then he doesn't believe in you, I guess, as a leader, is that correct? Yeah, there's, again, there's, there's a lot of dynamics that go into that. You okay. Know? And with mules, you, you got to, you have to be very black and white. You have to be very consistent is what I found over the years. Um, you know, and, and you gotta, you gotta really work on, you know, they can't stress the importance of simplifying your cues. You know, a lot of people I see, they, they really over exaggerate the signals to that mule and they make their cues much more complicated than they have to be. You know, the more complicated something is, the harder it is to understand and use and the more that can go wrong. And the good thing about mules is they don't need, want, or respond particularly well to complex cues. So when you, when you work on, you know, getting your, your cues clear and, and making them easier to understand, they become more effective to use, more efficient to teach, safer to work with, and they build a better foundation for, for, for that mule. You know, and that, that's one thing, I, you know, I look at um, in that circumstances, you know, what, how, you know, how is that, how is that mule being cued in that process? And, you know, you, you want to try and keep, um, like I said, you know, you want to try and keep that stuff consistent. You know, and making sure you're asking the same way all the time. And, and I've seen that, you know, help those mules tremendously. And where they get confused when you keep keep changing it up. So Yeah, I, I find that people, mule owners tend to, they, they get impatient. 
and they try to go from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. You really, you just can't rush things like that in a, in a mule schooling, you know. So I, I think people tend to get impatient about it. And then we're talking about lightness, really and truly. I don't know that I have the seat now to stay on a really, really light mule, you know. I mean, once in a while, if my mule does a 180, I'm impressed if I'm still in the saddle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Nate? Right. No, no, I do too. I get you 100%. And, you know, when you, when you talk about lightness, you know, lightness is one of those things you really don't hear too many new riders talk about. I honestly feel it is probably one of the most important things you can teach an animal. Okay. Um, I mean, All it's right. not a big, bad, scary word that means to, to teach your mule to move fancy or things like lightness are only needed for people, you know, who, who are showing their mules and, and this and that. Um, you know, if you look at it in, in practical terms, lightness is simply the absence of resistance to your teeth. So it's just, it's, it's just better communication, and, right? Is that what you're saying? It's just a more refined, it's a more refined communication between the rider and the mule. Yeah, it, it, it's not only more refined, but it, you know, instead of, you know, like if you're asking for, for, for a stop, you know, um, it's the difference between picking up the reins and your mule stopping and picking up the reins, pulling back, sitting back in your seat, hanging on, and he's still taking steps and then decides to stop 20 feet later. Yeah. You're, you're, you're ultimate goal is is to get that mule light you know across the board and and even even from a safety standpoint i think out of, out of anything for for anyone that that rides if anything else from a safety standpoint um you know you see uh, the, the sad consequence and the lack of interest in lightness and you know and you see these alarming number of accidents that are continually happening I think think people don't practice a concept like that when they haven't been given a good reason for it or why it's, you know, really beneficial. You know, when when your mule is is listening to you and he's not resisting your cues, um, you know, when you get into, you know, when you get into a situation, you you have a better chance of coming out to the other side. You know, as, as the mule owner, our goal should be to get these mules responsive you know, light and responsive and what we're asking them to do with the least amount of effort by us. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, you're right. And what what I see too many times um, when I'm helping people is I see people that are working harder than their mules and it should be the opposite. Mm, right. So by that, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's taken an act of Congress by the writer to, you know, stop, back up, do a simple turn. And it should be the other way around. And that that's what our goal is should be in getting these mules to respond better. And, you know, with that, and it's the majority of that focus, though, and, um, from what I've seen, has usually been, like, on the mouth and the face and things like that, and not a lot of attention has been really paid to, to getting the rest of the mule light, like with leg and, and different CQs. And as we talk there, that's kind of why you see such an influx of questions about, you know, the, the bits and what bits to control the mule. And I think there's a lot of other areas that we can teach our mules to be like, um, not just in the in the face and, and mouth. You know, the reality of it is we should be teaching that mule to, to kind of control themselves mentally, and we should also be teaching them to be responsive to our cues. 
whether it's through contact of the reins, the seat, our legs, but we got to do that both sides, you know, equally on that meal in order for them to become light and responsive. There you go. Let's talk a minute about the licking and chewing because, um, okay. you know, that just fascinates me when, when I work with my mule and then I give her time to process that and she will just lick and chew. And that, I think some people miss that, you know, they, they don't really look for that when they're working with their animals and they tend to push them into the next thing right away. But, um, right. Yeah. go yeah, ahead. No, you're, you're on. But I, I did get an opportunity to watch a must, a lady Mustang trainer, uh, two or three months ago. And her thought process was, and she was doing some liberty work uh, with these horses, and some of them were problem horses. She immediately, when she got the right response, she gave them a reward, like like a cookie or something, to get the licking and chewing. And she that's that was her thought process. If you give them the cookie or something, then the licking and chewing is starting. What what do you think about that? Going back to, to how you started that, you know about about the miss and and the read of where we're at, you know, with these mules while we're training them. And I, I think you hit on a extremely, extremely important piece of that. Because as I've always said, you know, the, the best training tool that you have is the ability to read your animal. And is what you're doing working or is it not working? And how is that mule reacting to what it is that you're asking, right? right. And it's those things that that we have to look for, you know, and you see it a lot. And and I use desensitizing as an example a lot with this because a lot of people are familiar with it. You know, if you're if if as an example, if you're trying to let's say get get a young mule used to, you know, something like a for example, a, a saddle pad. And, you know, you're putting that saddle pad up and down, up and down on his back, and the mule is standing there perfectly fine. A lot of people at that point say, okay, he's good. He's good with it. You know, he's, he's just standing still. He's great. Or, you know, even with, with, a, with a plastic bag, you know, something that's scary, you know, wave the plastic bag around, the mule stops moving, you know, and they wave it a couple more seconds and take it away, are under the impression that just because the mule stopped, you know, that, that they're good with it. And that's where, you know, we, we do things a, a little bit different in there. And in, in, in that in that process, you know, those mules, they can and, and they will shut down during that process. Um, and I've talked about this before, you know, in different in different areas about when these mules, you know, they, they, they shut down. They'll behave in one or two ways. When when they do that, they kind of they kind of go into their own head and they become you know kind of robotic in their actions. The reason they do that is because they haven't been given that opportunity to process that stimulation. And they're not any different than the horse. They got two areas in the brain they go to. It's either fight or flight or, or calm and relaxed. Mm-hmm. And if we don't give them that opportunity to come back down into that relaxed state during the training process, they hold on to that. They hold on to that. And what we think, you know, that they're good with it because they're standing there, they're actually not. And we can actually teach them in that process to make us go away. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, in the, in the mule's head, he's sitting there thinking, he's like, you know, hey, if I just stop and stand here, this idiot with his bag, he's going to quit. And so, and that's, and that's where, you know, that those signs are, are often and 
very subtle with those mules and they're often missed. And when they keep getting missed and the mule is, is in a sense forced to that process, that's when we start getting in trouble with them, right? There you and go. So yeah. and, and you're talking about the licking chew, and that's a good indicator of them coming back down into that into that relaxed state. You know, and, and I do this a lot with the with the younger, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, it takes longer to do. You know, it might take me another two weeks to, to do the, the foundation or three weeks, depending on the mule. But whether it's through a desensitizing process or, or, you know, getting the mule to understand different things on the ground, when they do something right, I give them that time to come back out and look for that relaxation. You know, look for the blinking of the eyes and the breathing to get better and, and the lick and chew as you as you pointed out, because down the road, why that's so important in the training process, in my mind, I mean, this is just me talking, why it's so important is that down the road, whenever that mule gets scared of something or, or you know, he's got, he's got some anxiety issues going about, you know, whatever it may be, there is nothing that you and I are going to do on the back of that mule to make him feel better. Okay. okay. He, he, he has to be able to do that himself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's, it's like you or me, if, if, if I had anxiety or something like that, I can have 10 people stand here and tell me that it's going to be okay, but that's not going to make a difference. I have to be the one to be able to calm myself down. And, and so, you know, I, I think, I think you will operate a lot in the same way, you know, and it's just, it, you know, it, it's being able to read them and, you know, and, and the Mustang trainer that you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, waiting for that that uh, relaxation, waiting for that release. You know, all that good stuff. I, I think it's it's so so important to give them that opportunity. Um, otherwise, you know, like I was saying, you know, that sometimes when we when we rush through these things and, and don't get that, um, you know, sometimes these mules they'll go into a, a free stress response. You know, and it's kind of stuck on. It's a bit of a of a learned helplessness. If you will, you know, we don't, we don't want to get them to that point. And, and they do go to that point when we continuously just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and not giving them that time to digest it all. Yes. Yeah. And so in their, so in their, in their own head, when, when they're like that, you know, those types of mules to me are probably the most dangerous kind to be around or have. Uh huh. Because those, those types will, Guaranteed at some point, all of a sudden, without reason, they will come undone in some shape, fashion, or form. And the severity of that really depends on the degree of shutdown that mule is. And so, you know, that's where all the time, you know, somebody's riding down the trail and something just out of nowhere happens. And that mule reached its threshold, whatever it may be. It could have been leisure wrestling. It could have been back blowing across the trail but whatever it was at that point he had enough he breaks in half and the owner standing there going where the hell did that come from right that's where that comes from so it's kind of like a post-traumatic stress because it's like they get overly stimulated with something and they haven't had the time to process it it takes time exactly yeah wow it does and yeah you know the absolute best way i can describe it is what i learned when studying about that it's kind of like in their own mind they're 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 like walking on eggshells yes oh yeah you know and if you if you've been around or know anybody who has lived like that i mean that's that's not a good place to be internally and i know i don't want my mules living like that so that's why i always say you know best training that we have is the ability to read that mule 
Exactly. Know, to learn how much pressure your mule can deal with before they aren't dealing anymore. And what behavior they show when they're not coping, how they're communicating to back off, and what all that looks like, no matter how subtle the signs are, and equally important, what it is we need to do to help them get past that. Very well said, Nate. Good stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so um, you're on Facebook, right? Yep. Okay, rocking in yep, team mules. All right. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, what is your phone number? My phone number is 623-692-8600. Nate, thanks for coming on again. And let's talk again next week because there's just so much to cover on these mules, okay? There is. There's a lot to cover, and, and I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, this is just, you know, one one view from 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 a guy so you know it's good to have these conversations and hopefully get people engaged in and opening up some dialogue and and you know get to understand these deals a little better and and trying to help them out we'll talk next week absolutely yes ma'am have a good day the spirit of the wild west lives on in my latest book desperados of the wagons west expedition i rode with descendants of notorious outlaws meal skinners, horse thieves, brothel workers, and Texas rangers that gathered at the Embar Ranch in Reserve, New Mexico. And so I documented their story. This is a modern-day dime store novel published by Every Cowgirl's Dream. It's captivating and exciting to read. It's available at everycowgirlsdream.com, Amazon Books, and other participating outlets. Giddy up and get your copy today. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email, cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at everycowgirlsdream.com. Gotta go. My mule is looking for me. 